that's another thing I learned very, very quickly. Was, it's okay to be scared. I had to figure it out. My kids needed somebody to mm-hmm. take care of them. Hey, hey, it's Ruthie Sullivan. Welcome to this week's episode of the Ruthie Podcast, where I interview everyday women to learn how they're making money, how they're showing up for life, and what's their story. Today, I'm interviewing Amanda Ashby of Utah. She's an escrow officer during one of the busiest times in real estate history, and she works with Meraki Title. She's a mom of three children herself, plus she has four bonus kids with her fiance. Amanda worked as a receptionist and title searcher, both of which introduced her to the title industry before getting her license that was required to do what she does. You'll love her story of the thriving company she built as a result of her little girl cutting her own hair. And you'll have to check out the side business she currently runs as a hobby. Meet Amanda. So I just changed jobs. Oh, you did? Mm -hmm. So you're not an escrow officer now? I am an escrow officer. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, But I got this amazing opportunity with a company, um, Meraki Title, and have been just kind of getting that figured out and transitioning that through. Um, It wasn't in my plan to change again, but something told me that I needed to go a little bit different direction in my career. I've been doing it for 20 years and the nine to five grind every day is getting a little old. So after 20 years, naturally I wanted to do something that was a little more management in growing and um, building the business rather than just focusing on myself. Okay. So explain what an escrow officer does in general to, to our listeners. So an escrow officer is like the main point of contact from the beginning to the end of the transactions with purchasing or refinancing or selling. So, you know, we receive the order. We make sure that everything's good with the title. We sit in the closing, which is my favorite part. I love just watching people get excited or even if they're nervous. I love the challenge of saying, okay, this one's going through a really hard divorce. Let's see if I can make sure she feels comfortable by the end. You know, it's a challenge for me. I, you know, yeah. these yeah. these young home buyers have no idea what I'm talking about. Maybe they can learn something today. <laughs> so it's one of my first questions I ask every single time I sit down with a new buyer is, is, is this your first home? And it's so exciting when their eyes light up and they're like, yes, it's my first home. So, (laughs) but yeah, you get to sit in, you get to experience that joy or even the heartache. Um, You just get to experience people's lives. It's a little bit like being a therapist, but, and then we take care of the back end stuff from the funding and recording and getting it into your name or out of your name or, you know, getting that new loan to put your basement in or whatever it is that you're trying to do. But yeah. You know, it's funny, you know, being on the real estate side, you guys make the biggest difference. Mm -hmm. And I will be sending some deals to you for sure. Oh, awesome. That's so awesome. (laughs) Um, But you like just the, it's your calming presence. Like when you say you are kind of a therapist, that's so interesting. That's an interesting analogy, but you are Mm -hmm. for all of us, for all the moving parts pieces, you know? Oh yeah. You have to be calm. You have to be collected. You have to know how to put out the fires without coming apart is just part of the process. Mm-hmm. If you can't handle the little things that go wrong, you're going to struggle. Yeah. And I had to learn that because I am a perfectionist. And if something goes wrong or I made a mistake, I would just cry and cry and cry in my bedroom after work. <laughs> Why did I do this? But 
you learn to kind of read people a little better and figure out how to solve the problem for them without um, making it worse. Yeah. It's just part of life. Right. Every transaction's different. Yes. Something gets missed. Something gets misunderstood. Somebody's upset about something. What are some examples of stuff you run into where you do have to help not make it worse, deal with it? So what are things, I guess... Let's start with the title. On the title side of things, what are some problems that you run into mm-hmm. that maybe the seller and the buyer don't even actually know about? Everything from your water rights to boundary line problems. Uh, we had a situation in Utah County where Utah County is just, it's old and certain parts of Orm and Provo, the boundaries are just not that great. And it took months to get the boundary lines corrected just so they could close on the home. It was frustrating for everyone. It took a little bit of time, but yeah. we got it taken care of. Yeah. So it was an issue where Provo City had claim on land and Orem City had claim on land, and they had to work it out and get it all. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh. Just on those borders, it's not always clean. Or you'll find tax liens that somebody didn't know about and... Or a lien that the neighbor put on. I mean, there's a project down in the River Bottoms area where a lien was put on, and um, it caused a lot of problems for every single buyer in that project uh, because they had to pay this guy out, even though it wasn't a legitimate lien. But it created an issue, and it had to be found. And you have to clear it. You can't just ignore it. Yeah. And so you have to solve the problem. What are problems you run into, say, like in a closing or? So yesterday I was sitting in a closing and I noticed that they had uh, shown that their mortgage had been paid off and it just didn't feel right. And I sat there, not that I was trying to profile them or anything, but they were young. Um, I don't know their backstory, but I had questioned, are you sure you don't have a mortgage on this property? There's a period of time that the county recorder's office doesn't, you're not able to see. I call it the black hole. And um, we're sitting there and he's trying to like, no, 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 I'm paying off the mortgage with this uh, closing. That's why I'm here, right? And I said, yeah, but I need to know who the mortgage company is. Well, come to find out they had just refinanced like two weeks ago. <laughs> oh. So that could be a huge problem. You know, so you was he trying to get a double loan? No, they were selling the property. And so if I hadn't paid it. attention, we could have sold the property, not paid off a loan, and it would have been a $200,000 lien. Oh, Claim. so he he he'd refinanced. You were trying to pay off the old or the the old lender. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, so what would happen in a case like that? Um, we would have to take them to court because it wasn't our fault. That's not something that we can catch. Um, if it was something that was our fault and we didn't catch it in the records, then that's a, a title claim. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why we have title insurance and policies. Yeah. Um, you don't see those claims very often, but they can happen. So, um, but in this case, we'd have to go through a huge process of getting them through court, trying to get the money out of them, whatever it took, because that's a lot of money. Two hundred thousand yeah. dollars is a lot of money, mm-hmm. and you don't just get that for free. <laughs> and would you be taking the the sellers to court, or would you take yeah, the, the sellers, the lender the that you paid off that you weren't supposed to? No, the sellers to court. Okay, mm-hmm. 
And did he know that or was that just... No, they were just young and didn't really understand the process. Oh, They weren't trying to do anything wrong, but that also creates issues too because we're not taught how to do real estate in school. You don't know the terms. You don't know purchase contract. You don't know what title insurance is. You don't know the process of getting a loan. You don't know all those things. And for, for young, you know, people that aren't in the industry, it's, it's a lot to take in. Yeah. Right. And the, you know, assumptions and things like that could be a problem (laughs) (laughs) as assumptions go. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, everything from divorce situations where, you know, one of the parties is angry at the other party, which typically happens. And, you know, if they're not in agreement of what is happening with the proceeds, we can't do anything with it. So in that case, like say you have a divorce couple that have a mm-hmm. home under contract, but then they're going to get us $100,000 in proceeds, let's mm-hmm. say. And they're not agreeing and they're not maybe done with their divorce to where there's a court order for you to go by. Mm-hmm. So do you still fulfill the contract, close the deal, but then you have to hold on to the money? Yes. We would do an escrow hold is what it's called. Um, it's They're obligated by their contract to fulfill the contract. Right. Do you ever feel like one is trying to get you to favor them? Oh, yeah. All the time. We get the stories all the time. You know, oh, so-and-so did this to me, and they're such a horrible person, and I can't believe this. And you have to listen. Yeah. But then you just move on, and the next person generally says, oh, I can't believe they're doing this. This is so hard, and they're in tears. And, you know, you, there's all kinds of emotions that mm-hmm. go with that. Um, I learned very early that I can't get myself wrapped up in it. Um, you can listen, and you can be understanding, but you can't wrap yourself up in it emotionally. Yeah, right. It will drain you. Yeah. And it happens a lot. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that's mm-hmm. a skill that you, in order to survive the industry, for sure, you would have oh, to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the hard files where short sales or there's liens and you have to get approvals for things and they're upset because they're not getting any money and they want to tell you how all these people wronged them and... You know, the attorneys are saying one thing and the other. You mean, if you get yourself wrapped up in it, you will, it will completely drain every ounce of energy. Um, You take it home to your kids. You, yeah, (laughs) right. Continue on throughout the day. And it just, I I had to really set it aside. You have to disconnect. Yeah. How do you do that? How do you disconnect so that you can be professional, do what needs to be done, listen, and at the same time walk away? My out is music. So the second I get in that car, I pump my music, whatever it is. And it's like life to me. It just, I, the lyrics, whatever it is, um, I can always find a song that will speak to me in the moment, give me enough courage, let me feel sadness if I want, whatever it is that I need for that, for that moment. But that's how I do it. Yeah, I just completely block it out of my mind and listen. And you know, some days it's jamming out. Some days it's crying. Some days it's screaming. <laughs> I know but, I like every genre, <laughs> but it's all of it. You know, yeah. I, it's just always been a constant in my life is the music aspect. Yeah, so. I, I agree with you. I feel like music for me helps me process mm-hmm. so much. And it tells me I'm not alone. Oh, yeah. 
Okay, so back to the whole uh, escrow, mm-hmm. um, the, your escrow officer work. Back, so my grandfather bought a bunch of land down in Sanpete County mm-hmm. years ago, and then he gave some to each of his children. And one year, my dad came to me and he's like, "Hey, if you want to pay the taxes on this, you guys, you can have these lots. I am so done with." dealing with them. Mm-hmm. So we're like, sure. So we paid for the taxes and then we were ready to sell, I want to say a couple years later or something. And we had three lots. We were able to sell two, but one had, they referred to it as a clouded title. So explain maybe what okay. a clouded title is. Did grandfather pass away? Yes. Okay. Yep. So if it was deeded out incorrectly, um, if you just have somebody in the neighborhood or your brother or whoever do the deed for you and it wasn't done correctly, then that person's still showing on title. And so you have to go through a quiet title action to have the court deem that that's transferable or it was a legitimate transfer and it costs money. It's That's another reason why you work with a title company because if you're doing things on your own, you can't guarantee that you're doing it correctly. Mm-hmm. Part of title insurance is that you're ensuring that who sold the property or who's so- signing is the owner and their names are spelled correctly and everything is done correctly. Where do we go from there? And then would that have been protected if there had been title insurance originally? Correct. Okay, so we explain title insurance because er, title insurance... If I understand correctly, it wasn't always required. Is that? No, it wasn't. Um, now in the state of Utah, to do a transaction, um, you anytime money is transferred between parties, uh, for it to be a legitimate transaction, there has to be title insurance issued. Um, part of your contract even states that title insurance will be issued and that it will be paid for by the parties. So what does what does the title insurance cover? So this is how I teach people what title insurance is. So your health insurance, your car insurance ensures future events. Title insurance ensures past events. So if you sell a piece of property, anything from the time that it's recorded in the past is covered with title insurance. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So let's say John Smith comes knocking on your door after you purchase a piece of property and says, uh your seller owed me $20,000. Yeah. Um, That's a panic moment. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you would start the process of possibly being able to claim that on your title insurance. If it was missed by the title company, that's a claim. That's a payout that they have to take care of. And what if it's a case like you were talking about earlier where it's like the full-blown amount of a, of a, a loan or a lien? What, I mean, you'll, cover that? Mm -hmm. You have to. I've been really impressed with the title, you know, companies that I've used, the escrow Mm -hmm. officers I've worked with, you know, and how thorough they are. Mm -hmm. You have to be. Yeah. (laughs) And like you're saying with those first time home buyers, they're just so dang cute. I love first time home buyers. They're so eager and willing. And a million questions. And a million (laughs) questions. (laughs) And it's funny to see even in the first time home buyers, you've got your engineers and you've got your like, just tell me where to sign. Mm -hmm. Like, I know I need to make my payments. Just tell me where to sign. (laughs) Yep. But when you see, what are some common questions you get at the closing table you know, from first-time home buyers. When's my payment due? Who am I making my payment to? Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. Oh, and taxes and insurance. Yeah. So I don't have to pay that? That's part of my payment? Yes. 
So in regards, you have mm-hmm. these seven children that you're working with, your your partners and your own. How do you juggle family life with this profession? I still don't know that answer. (laughs) (laughs) I had to just chill out because I am a perfectionist and I want things to go and I want it planned and I want it like we're going to do this, this and this, this day. And, you know, I, we're going to make sure the laundry gets done this day. And finally this last year as real estate's picked up, I was sitting on my bed and I'm like, I can't do it all. I can't do it all. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lose my mind. And stupid little things like, you know, you can order your groceries and they'll deliver them to your doorstep. Huh. Okay. Time saver. Um, you know, the neighbors are always willing <laughs> to help run children. I don't always have to be the one that takes them to dance. I don't always have to be the one that does it. That's been a big thing for me to have to learn. Yeah, and I'm like, not denying them of my time mm-hmm. by having somebody else drop them off at their activities. Yeah, right. Um, or take them to school. Mm-hmm. Um, I hired somebody to come clean my house once a week. Oh, good for you. Because I just don't have the time. And it would wear me thin. I would be three in the morning trying to figure out how to get everything done, the laundry, and I finally just had to say, I'm human. Yeah. <laughs> this is not okay. Focus on the most important parts. The rest can be hired out. I really like that. And you don't have to pay money. Right. Trade with somebody. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'll, I'll take care of your lawn if you mow my lawn next week or whatever. Just mm-hmm. get creative. I, it's, I think it sounds a lot like giving up control. And yes. I'm a control freak. (laughs) (laughs) I totally understand. I like to have control of the things I like to have control. I can let go of the things I, you know, there's a lot of things. But like you said, through life, you kind of give up control on certain things, and it's so freeing. So um, tell me your story. Like how, Oh, where uh, were you? Tell me about where you were raised and kind of what got you where you are. So I was raised um, in Orem, Utah, and this cute little neighborhood down in the river bottoms where we could run free in the orchards and, uh-huh. you know, be kids. And or and for listeners, Orem was largely orchards, yeah. right? When we were young, it was... Yeah, we had four apple trees. Yeah. Um, you know, it was built in an orchard, our little area. Yep. And the homes weren't big by any means. They, you know, small little homes. And my three brothers shared a room and... You know, I was the only girl, so... Oh, you were the only girl. <laughs> and the oldest, so I got the pick of the rooms, you know? Nice. Um, but I just had the best childhood. Um, I loved, loved it. I mean, we camped. We did all the things that you could ever imagine. Um, my parents were very big on family outings. You know, I had a great childhood. Um, then in high school, I... And did you go to Orem or Mountain I View? went to Orem, yeah. Okay. <laughs> became a little bit of a rebellion. It was a little interesting. I think my thing is um, I grew up in the church. And I and just... And that, I mean, being in Utah, the yes, predominant religion is the Mormon Mormonism. Church. Mm-hmm. Mormonism, yeah. And I always felt just very stuck. 
Um, it's a great religion. I, I have nothing bad to say about it. Um, but I was just stuck and part of me was wanting to explore and see what else was around. And, um, it led me to meeting somebody that, um, ultimately I ended up having to get married to, um, ended up pregnant before, like right out of high school. And my dad had helped me, um, get a job as a receptionist at a title company in Provo. Oh, nice. And the, um, he's a loan officer. And so he's like, I know that they're hiring. This will be really good for you. Um, Mm -hmm. didn't pay hardly anything. (laughs) Yeah. Receptionist jobs often don't. Yeah. So I started there and, um, quickly learned that I loved, loved it. And they put me in title searching, which is researching the records. And I hated that because <laughs> I wouldn't talk to anybody <laughs> all day say, long. It was awful. Like it? Yeah. Yep. You were isolated. <laughs> so I had a lot going on in my personal life. Um, my How many years did you do that as a receptionist? And I was only a receptionist for about a year. Mm-hmm. And then I did searching for about a year and a half, almost two years, and then got my license pretty soon after that. Um, Although I appreciate the time I had with the research and everything, and the uh, boss I had was like a second father to me, and he was a land attorney, and so he taught me a lot. All the... The weird deals, all the seller financing, all the Very cool. big commercial deals, that kind of thing. Um, so I got trained by the best, is what I usually tell yeah. people. <laughs> and <laughs> nice, it, you know it. And the research, I would imagine, was really helpful yeah, as far so as I understanding title. You know, and pass what- my test the first try, and which is kind of unheard of. It's a hard test, and um, I was so proud of myself. <laughs> oh, I bet, I but, bet. So I, as mentioned, I um, found out I was expecting my oldest and got married that next April. I found out I was expecting in December, got married in April. Um, My ex-husband, we're doing really well right now, which is kind of shocking to me. Uh, We had a very, very rough marriage. Uh, He had some addictions and some things that um, ultimately... I couldn't put up with and um, he had some cheating and some things going on throughout our marriage and um, I ultimately just one day I snapped (laughs) and said get out just get out I'm done I am done and um, yeah how old was your youngest Um, it was just about eight eight and a half years ago Oh, okay. So it was pretty recent. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, eight years ago feels like it was just yesterday, and then sometimes it feels like it's a lifetime ago. (laughs) Time time is an interesting thing in how we relate to it, for sure. So what did you do? Like So you were already doing escrow then at that time. So I was. um, He couldn't really hold a job down. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was the breadwinner, and... I always knew for myself that I wanted more than a a rental little apartment. Um, I wanted something that was my own. I had a, you know, I wanted to 
do the big things, have the nice car, you know, the things you, yeah. you want as a young 20 something year old. Yep. <laughs> and, um, so I actually started, my daughter had cut her hair when she was five by herself and was making wigs for her bears. And <laughs> she was mortified. Uh, she was like, I look like a boy now. She was so upset because we had cut it really, really short. Oh, no. So I started making bows for her hair. And it kind of evolved into this full-blown Etsy business. Oh, really? And I did children's accessories. Um, I did wedding party stuff like uh, suspenders, bow ties, um, you know, veils, hair Very pieces, cool. you name it. Do you still have this Etsy shop? No, I shut okay. it down. Um, it, it was hard to keep up and my kids were suffering. So during this time, I had also contracted with a title company to do closings on the side. Um, my ex-husband's job moved us out to Vernal, Utah, uh-huh. which is oil fill country. Yeah, yep. I was all by myself and I didn't have anything else to do but to create and figure out how to pay for everything and make it work. Yeah. We were dirt poor. <laughs> dirt poor. Like I went through all the the programs the state could ever, you know, offer. And wow. we did all that. And then I when we moved back from Vernal, um, the Etsy business really shot off and I was able to basically make thousands of dollars a month. I never even thought it could get to that. Um, but it was too overwhelming mm-hmm. as one person. And I had a couple of people um, sewing for me on the side, but yeah, it was hard. It was hard. And then um, got the divorce started. And ultimately I, I knew that I needed to go back to escrow because I'd already been doing it part-time. Yeah, right. And I knew I could make really good money at it. Mm-hmm. So I jumped right in. And um, and is that when you shut down the Etsy shop mm-hmm. so that you could get yeah. in and, and, yeah, really give your heart to the escrow? Yeah. Um, yeah, jumped right in. And I, I just knew I had to work really, really, really hard <laughs> <laughs> to get where I wanted to be. Yeah. Because it was just me. Wow. I had to figure it out. My kids needed somebody to mm-hmm. take care of them. And he, you know, he, I don't fault him for this. He, he, he's a hard worker, but he's content with the minimum and, and mm-hmm. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, right. so was he good about pain child support and not at the beginning? No. Okay. It was a real stressor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's still a stressor <laughs> Yeah, because he sees that I'm I'm doing well, and he doesn't understand why he still needs to pay as much as he does. But yeah, you know, we're in a much better place and can actually yeah. communicate now, so that works really well. <laughs> it's taken a few years, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but there's hope. I bet it adds perspective, you know, to couples that you're seeing at the you know it the does. signing table, you know, and they're going through this, just knowing that yours has evolved and that stuff can evolve and stuff can get better. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. So I so. I always have to have something on the side. I'm I'm not really content just sitting around. 
I'm a busy body, so uh-huh. <laughs> it's the oldest child syndrome. I oh know. my gosh! And the perfectionist, you know, like yeah, have to do everything so just right. I started making cakes a couple of years ago, and I've been really enjoying that. And I don't make a ton of money at it, but I cover my costs, and it's fun. It's kind yeah. of therapeutic. And yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. So I always have my hand in something. My mom always gets after me. Can't you just sit still? Can't you just sit still? And I said, no. You taught me this. <laughs> you should be retired and you're still working yeah. full time. I'll sit still when I'm dead. Yep. Yep. <laughs> or maybe not. Who knows? <laughs> oh, so maybe it, I'll put in the show notes. I'll put a link to your, your cake business. Oh, yeah. If you want me to. Yeah, it's fine. Okay, cool. <laughs> and are you, on, are you on Facebook? Is that mm-hmm. how you're, you yeah. have your Facebook page? And so just kind of word of mouth people share. Yeah, it's it started out with a, a niece's birthday smash cake and kind of evolved from that. So fun. My oldest child went through a really hard time where she was in a treatment center for about six months. And if I hadn't had that cake, extra income, I don't know how we would have paid for it. Oh, really? So, so tell me more. It, with Was it addiction recovery? Or? Um, yeah, addiction, not substance, but um, they called it loved, love addiction. Mm-hmm. She just got wrapped up in some really bad friends and... Um, it turned into suicide and that kind of thing. Oh, wow. So she spent six months in a treatment center. And um, we raised funds by putting together cupcake kits for Christmas Eve for families to decorate. And What a great idea. It was a lot of work, but we did it. And it helped me not just feeling like I'm a charity case. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want people just to donate, just to donate. Uh-huh. I mean, like, you were let actually, me do the work. Let me yeah. do the work. But it's a lot. Yeah. Even if you're doing well, it well, is a lot. lot to deal with when you're dealing with a child that you don't know how to help and you don't feel like you have mm-hmm. the professional skills to offer them what they need. Yeah. And yeah, these kids, man. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, and I love them so much. It's you know? so hard, but... You know, the reward was on her year of being out this last February, she put this big post up about how she couldn't thank her family enough for putting her in that home. It saved her life. Yeah. So. That's beautiful. Was she willing to go initially? No. (laughs) Oh. Oh, no, no, no. Was this like a take him in the middle of the night? We took her to the emergency room. And they transported her from the emergency room. Oh, wow. So there was never an option for her to get out. (laughs) Yeah. Was it traumatic to have her, to have to make the decision that you knew she wasn't maybe going to willingly make to go, but knowing she needed to go and... I will always say that the hardest decision I ever made was walking my physically able child into the emergency room to tell the emergency people that suicidal and a little off a rocker at the moment, but there's nothing wrong with her, (laughs) like physically. Uh, I felt like, why would I even do that? Mm -hmm. This is wrong. There's got to be a different way. But we had a therapist say, I don't care what you do. You need to take her right now. And um, because we had received a call from the school that she was posting things on her Instagram that she was going to jump off the bleachers or whatever it was. And um, mm-hmm. it was just enough. I'd had enough at that point. Yeah. And it was it was really weird. 
Yeah. Well, and it's like you're like you're saying, I think it, it, it when they look like they're doing well and they might even be telling you that they're doing mm-hmm. better than they are and you don't know what and they to bargain believe. with you and they yeah. try to manipulate the situation. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, I just need I just need rest. Mm-hmm. I just need this. I'll go to therapy more. I'll do this. Mm-hmm. That the whole car ride there. Yeah. From that experience, what have you taken away? You know, of course, you got her help and you're relieved because she's she's saying thank you. Yeah. But what have been your personal takeaways? I'm stronger than I ever knew. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, my uh, my son is autistic. And, and which one is this one? Your son is how old? He's 15. Okay. Yeah. And um, so I always had a different perspective on parenting a little bit. Um, he's high functioning, but it's always been a struggle to find how to how to help him and how to parent him. And I didn't realize that in my trying to help him and trying to understand his point of view, I wasn't seeing the other kids for their points of view and how they process things and how they're feeling and how they're, and it wasn't like I was ignoring them, but I had this huge challenge of a special needs child in front of me. I kind of forgot that they really all are yeah. needy and in their own ways, um, whether they're physically, mentally healthy or if they're not. And that was my biggest takeaway. I'm stronger than I ever could imagine. And each of these children have their own unique needs. And it's just a matter of trying to figure out how to take care of each of them individually without putting them in this big group and saying, you know, here's your dinner. Here you go. You're good to go. Aren't you? You're good right now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Good. (laughs) What a great way to look at that. You know, it's just a different way of looking at the world. Mm -hmm. Very, very much a a tool. What a way to take a beautiful thing, a beautiful life lesson from a difficult situation. So there's a quote, uh, it's a Winston Churchill quote, and it's, success isn't final. Failure isn't fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. Mm-hmm. You can never have wins without failures. I have that in my pantry area as you walk in the mudroom. Failures are necessary for the wins. Yeah. You have to really believe in that because you're never, ever going to win all the time. Yeah. And if you're trying hard for something, you're going to fail yeah. multiple times. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I love that quote. Yeah, I love it too. And what about courage? Oh, man. I think it's Winnie the Pooh that says, you're braver than you ever believed. I don't know exactly how it goes, but... Yeah, I forget that quote. But it's... You have to have courage. Man. Look up. It's got to fuel you. Yeah. Courage. Absolutely. Have you heard the statement, brave and afraid? Yes. I just love it. Just brave and afraid. There's You can do things, you know, and you don't have to be completely clean of fear. You don't have to be okay. You can be brave, but you don't have to be okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's another thing I learned very, very quickly. Was it's okay to be scared. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you're failing. <laughs> no, uh-uh. being scared. And yet I think emotionally, sometimes for me, I will misinterpret 
because I'm scared, I'll see it as a failure. And I'll wrap everything about what I'm trying yes. to do up as a failure. And then when, you start acting on the fear yeah, rather than correct. the bravery. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we were literally talking about that last night. Late, you know, all the things that we've done, you know, we've had our own struggles. It's hard to blend a family. It's hard to blend two very, very different points of view and um, try and figure that out. I mean, it's hard in any situation. Yeah, right. And, you know, there's been some things that have happened recently where he said to me, you know, I, I made choices out of fear that I, w- I would never have made if I would have just sat and thought about it. And you're right. So have I. Choices out of fear. So. And so the conversation was around this. Mm-hmm. It, it is scary. <laughs> it's always going to be scary. Yeah. You know, he's not quite sure exactly where he wants to go with his career. And it's scary. And, mm-hmm. you know. I kept saying, you just got to let that fuel you. You got to let that fuel you, motivate you, you know, mm-hmm. push you to the next thing. If if something's making you afraid, there's something to it. Yeah. So just keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Yeah. And he tends to be like, oh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And he'll step, step back and want to figure it out. Logically. Logically. And I'm the <laughs> other way. I'm like, okay, all right, this is a challenge. Let's do this. All right, it's the race. Let's get on it. <laughs> feel into it. Feel into it. Yep. Feel into it. Just follow yep. the feels. Yeah, interesting. It's so interesting. We all process things so different, but it's all rooted. I was listening to the four agreements on the way here. Um, I love that book. That's a great book. It's, it is the very beginning of the book starts out with the way that we talk to ourselves and the agreements we have with ourselves will ultimately be what happens in our lives. So if you're constantly telling yourself, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not okay, like not pretty enough, not good enough, you're going to start literally acting that out. Because right. what you put in your head and you put in your heart, you're going to start acting that out. So it's silly things from, you know, if you're telling yourself you're ugly all the time, maybe you stop taking care of yourself. You start you know, not wearing, getting ready for the day. You start doing those things, you get in that mode. If you're telling yourself, I'm gorgeous, I can do this or whatever, you'll watch. You tend to put that into motion, into reality. Um, doesn't mean you have to be a supermodel. But, oh, no. Yeah. But it does absolutely. You know, the way you talk to yourself, it does show on the outside. Mm-hmm. So. I heard someone say one time, we don't recognize how we talk to ourselves. He's a life coach that works with Olympic level athletes. And he was saying that oftentimes he, he'll have people just, that's part of the, the beginning mm-hmm. of what he works on is having them become aware of what they're saying to themselves. And he's a big fan of journaling too. Yes. And the one thing he said, once you start becoming aware of these thoughts, he said, just imagine blaring that out in an arena where it's full of all these people and you're blaring it out about someone else. Would you ever, ever, ever do that? Hmm? You know, I don't know who it was that said, would, if you talk to yourself, the way you talk to yourself, if you talk to your children that way, what do you think would happen? And I was mortified. I'd never talk like that to my kids. I would never tell my daughter that she looks fat or she looks Mm -hmm. (laughs) and yeah, I, it really 
blew my mind. And I, that's probably one of my hardest things. I'm really, really hard on myself. Oh, really? Really hard on myself. Well, that comes often, I think, with perfectionism, too, mm-hmm. don't you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I get it. You know, it's funny. You were talking about the, the way you talk to yourself about the way you look. Mm-hmm. When I was young, my mom really struggled with – she was. She told me shortly before she passed away, two doctors had told her she was bipolar. And, you know, and I, I'm like, oh, my gosh, absolutely you were. And I didn't understand, you know, in my youth and being the oldest child – I would watch her be on cloud nine, happy, talking Mm -hmm. to her friends, talking to her family, producing all kinds. She's super creative, you know, like all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then she would swing into these fits of, I'm so ugly. I'm a horrible mom. I'm a, you know, this, I'm a that. And I would, she'd vocalize and be in tears. And this would go on for days, Mm -hmm. you know, often as well. And I remember noticing that you know, and she gained weight and mm-hmm. she continued to gain weight. And she, during the week, she wouldn't put on makeup. She wouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, frequently, it, it was in sweats or, you know, like her legging, you know, and, and big t-shirts and wouldn't do her makeup. And then come Sunday when we would go to church, she'd get all dressed up. And just for being around people and getting yourself ready and looking nice, the her energy was so different. Completely changes. Completely changes. And and at a young age, I was like, oh, I think you might want to start talking nicer to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> a therapist once told me it's that iceberg effect. What's underneath can ultimately kill you. You know, you yeah. can't see it, but you're going to hit it and it'll sink your ship. It can take you down. Yeah. So it's that iceberg effect. Yeah. And, that, and bringing it back to, so just starting to be aware of the little things we say mm-hmm. to ourselves When we do something, you know, my friend unfortunately left her, her bike in the back of her truck. And oh no. <laughs> and this when she came in, she's like, did you take my bike? And I was like, is it gone? And she, somebody had taken her, her bike, you know, it wasn't locked up or mm-hmm. anything. And she was, I mean, she loves her bike, you know, so she was like, oh. Oh, and in those kinds of moments, you can tell yourself, oh, I'm so stupid. Or you can tell yourself, this really sucks. This is a really hard lesson to learn, but I am definitely going to learn my lesson. You oh, know, yeah. you're going to have to feel that feeling. Yeah. Yep. That's how we grow. But yep. anyway. eating yourself up doesn't get you anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm wanting to look up this Winnie the Pooh. Always remember you are braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, smarter than you think, and loved more than you know. I love it. <laughs> and Winnie the Pooh's the hero of that show because he's just kind of do-do-do, just takes life, just kind of in stride. Like, <laughs> <laughs> looking that. for that honey. Oh, I love it. Well, tell me, um, what are so we were talking about music. I'm very similar to you where music, when I'm feeling it, I want to feel it. In fact, I was going to mention this. I... You know, just in my own processing mm-hmm. and seeing that music can say so much about myself and I, I have mm-hmm. this reflection, oh, there's this other person. What's the story behind that artist writing that song mm-hmm. or singing that song? And about a year ago, my um, – it was – why did I really – oh, Mac Miller passed away of – I guess it was longer than a year. But Mac Miller passed away from mm-hmm. an overdose, a cocaine overdose. Yeah. And, you know, a friend of ours, their son had passed away of an overdose. And, you know, my mother had drug addiction. You know, hers was mm-hmm. prescription, but, you know, it took its toll. And he wrote his own music. And I really got into just listening. It's stuff that I would have turned off in my past, you know, but there's so much of it that I love. But even these parts that I don't really care for, because he wrote all of his songs, it allowed me to get a perspective 
from his life and what mm-hmm. his perspective was, being rich, young, famous, and very much detaching from life. Like it was confused. so much confu- confused and, and just tired, mm-hmm. tired of, you know, he had lived a lifetime in a very short time. Oh, yeah. You know, and to see his perspective, it made me love Mac Miller more for sure. I love Mac Miller. I love my mom and my, you know, my friend's son that passed mm-hmm. away. I could relate a little bit more because of music, even though I don't have a substance abuse, you know, issue. It allowed me to have but a lot more respect. But allowing you to have that. Yeah, that respect. Yeah. So on the note, on the note of music, tell me, um, tell me what songs mean something to you. So, one of the very first things that my fiance and I ever talked about when we were first talking was music, and we were trying not to get dive deep into what was going on in our individual lives. We were trying just to get to know each other and. One morning, he sent me this song called Riser, and it was just everything I needed in that moment. And then I started doing just that thing. I started diving into it and the story and the story behind it and the music video and everything. And I, it just resonated with me because there's a, you know, it says, lay your little head on my shoulder and you know, I've got this for you. And that's, I just like, that's my kids. Like, just be here. I've got this, whatever it takes. And there's a part portion of the song, you know, that says, whatever, basically whatever it takes, I'll earn the money. I'll do the work. Yeah. But I'm a riser. Yeah. I'm not scared. He talks about not, not, um, being scared to work, of working to the bone. Yep. Yep. You certainly have done that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this now just became my theme, theme song, song of my life. Are there other songs? Um, there's one called The Underdog by Aaron Watson, and I love Aaron Watson, but he's more of a fun artist. But yeah, it, it just talks about, you know, again, pull up your bootstraps, do your thing. Always believe in the underdog. Yeah. You're not always going to be the underdog, but always believe in the underdog. <laughs> yeah, I really like it. Okay, so do you have a quote that you like to live by? Just that I'm a riser. I'm, I'm a, a get riser. up off the ground. Don't run and hide her. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And if there's a message that you could give to a woman or a person who is in your shoes, in the shoes that you were in years ago, that was scrapping to survive, what would it be? Oh man, I was totally scrapping. I did the whole. I did everything. I mean, I was broke, 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 broke. Um, hard work. You can never go wrong with hard work. If you do the bare minimum, you'll get the bare minimum. So you have to work hard to get where you want to be. Yeah. Set your sights high and work hard. I love it. Thank you so much. Any final thoughts? No, I just, this was really cool for me. I don't know how we got connected is kind of cool, you know, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I could go on for hours and hours of all the little things that have happened in my life, but ultimately it is just hard work does pay off. And, you know, now I'm dreaming of big farms and <laughs> you know, we're able to even do it. 
I'm financially stable. I don't rely on anybody anymore. It's just me. And I'm okay with it. Yeah. I don't stress anymore. I don't have to wake up in the middle of the night wondering, okay, how am I going to pay the phone bill? Um, what do I need to sell? What do I need to do? Yeah. It's been years and years and years and years of hard work. I didn't think I'd ever get here. <laughs> but you can't. You can reach there. You yeah. can do it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. And I, th- I think I remember you saying that on the phone, you know, learning that you you did scrap. And then when you started making money, you still had that scrapping, like, ooh, mm-hmm. am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? You know, and then getting to a space where you just confidently know that you can do You'd it. You'd be smart, but dream big. I love it. You have to dream big. Love it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. Would you hit the subscribe button and follow along? And then would you please pause and leave a five-star review? I'd be extra grateful. It helps me tremendously. Also, would you please share this podcast with one person you know of that is looking to start a new career or looking for a side hustle or starting over? Also, you can follow me on Instagram at The Ruthie Podcast. I'll keep you posted there. Additionally, will you send me feedback? I'm at the grassroots of all of this and I can use your help. You can send that feedback to me on Instagram or to my email at ruthie at the ruthiepodcast.com. That's R-U-T-H-I-E at the ruthiepodcast.com. And remember to check out the Ruthie Podcast playlist on Spotify. Now, go make today great. Explore, experience, then take it all on the inside and ask, now what?